Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is Cindy Perks, the COO for Global Mentoring Solutions. Cindy brings over 30 years of operations management experience and oversees the hiring, training, and support structure strategy at GMS. Global Mentoring Solutions offers outsourced help desk support to tech teams of various companies across the globe. Their mission is to boost the value of customer support to ensure continued success in business. Cindy has an extensive background in the e-learning community and is working to transition Global Mentoring Solutions into an industry leader in the outsourced help desk arena for managed services providers. Cindy Perk's tireless efforts as the COO has taken Global Mentoring Solutions from 30 employees to over 130 in just five years. So Cindy, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Well, thank you very much, Cameron. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. So curious. So tell us a little bit about what Global Mentoring Solutions does. Who, who are your types of clients and what kind of, of outsourcing do you do for them? We're, uh, Global Mentoring is dedicated exclusively to technical support um, and uh, on, a, on a wide range of, uh, of topics that have to do with IT desktop applications, um, we, uh, we've got um, three sort of lines of business. One is residential um, through telecommunications, partnering with uh, telecommunication companies. And uh, the other is help desk and knock services. So uh, uh, we, uh, we do the monitoring for a knock uh, for a, a network operating center. Uh, we do the monitoring and take action on uh, any alerts that come by. Uh, all based on the premise that 95% of the technological challenges can be overcome remotely, um, leaving a, a very small percentage where you actually have to um, put feet on the street and send someone to an actual site. So that's where uh, that's our niche is uh, in that uh, connecting to the computer, helping the end user, getting it resolved. Interesting. So, so are you like, would you be considered like first level tech support or second level or, or even higher than that? We actually uh, cover the three in the common realm. It's tier one, tier two, tier three, or level one, two, three. Um, so we go from level one to two to three. Um, it's our customers that would uh, say, well, we, um, you know, in the telco industry, we want level one to two support. Um, uh, whereas in the MSP world, in the managed service provider world, they are more apt to want level two to three. And, and what kind of telcos are you working with? Are you like with, with the Rogers or Bell Canada or whoever, whoever our service, like um, tell us, is that who you're doing work for or? We, yes, we, we actually uh, are uh, uh, provide uh, support for Bell Canada. And so how, how do these big companies outsource this stuff? I was just coaching a company today and I got frustrated with them going, God, like you guys are 250 employees and you still try to do everything in house. And I, I held up an iPhone and I said, you know, who makes this iPhone? And they said, well, Apple. And I said, no, Apple doesn't make the iPhones. They outsource that. And why are you trying to do everything? So how does a company like a, like Bell Canada, who are, are massive and they've been, been around forever, why are they outsourcing? And, and how do they decide what to outsource versus keep it in house? I guess the best way to answer that question is 
in the Bell Canada, for example, we at Global Mentoring were um, always in the support, always in desktop support and desk side support, but we always use chat. We have our own proprietary chat uh, program and we were very connected uh, due to uh, our career histories and experience. We were very connected to the e-learning community. So when e-learning um, was uh, really getting off and going into um, uh, online learning and uh, video learning and replacing the classroom with uh, that was uh, very traditional, we provided the support. So a student uh, taking a, uh, uh, you know, an, M an MCSE uh, through Microsoft would uh, come to us when they got stuck with something. Oh. Uh, when they didn't understand something. And, and so we were providing that application support, but at a very high end. So our mentors, as we call them, are not agents, but our mentors uh, knew the products better than the students um, because they were certified and, and had already gone through that. So, so we saw this, this need in the e-learning community. Now, the flaw with the model was e-learning uh, and uh, training for end users in the corporate world is really the first thing to get cut when you want to cut expenses. Okay. It's, it, it's not, we train in this country and in North America in general, we train our executives far better than we train our receptionists and the people that actually do the work. Do so, the work, yeah. So, so there wasn't a big market there. Um, and once upon a time, there was a little outfit in uh, uh, Eastern Canada called Alliant. Um, and they were part of Maritime Talentel. And Alliant um, had a big strike. And they uh, managers were now on the phones taking phone calls from, uh, from the end users. And they discovered that they couldn't uh, fix everything and applications and how to do something. How do I get my pictures, uh, you know, downloaded to my computer? Those kinds of things were coming into the tele to the telecommunication and they had no real, no avenue to provide this support. Sure. So they saw a need. And uh, six months later, after the, uh, the, uh, uh, strike was over, uh, they approached us and said, you know, we hear what you what you guys do. And uh, uh, let's talk about uh, providing residential support for the users. So that's how we got into it. And again, strictly chat, we didn't want to get into phones, especially with telecommunication folks. Um, but uh, in about 2010, we said 2009, end of end of 2009, we said, yeah, let's add the phones. We can do it better than anybody else can do. Oh, interesting. So you started with live chat. Yeah, we started with live chat 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember using Live Person was a software that we used in 1999, 2000. That was kind of so you guys were already big into that whole space. Yes, we were. Yeah. And then you went, then you picked up the phone side just because you figured that you could add that in. We could add that in and, and, and uh, no offense, but do it better than uh, anybody uh, that was currently on the, uh, in that space. Now the call center industry has a reputation for, um, for being kind of entry, not entry level, but minimum wage jobs or, or lower paid jobs. I would get the sense that you're probably not 
at that lower paid level when you're providing some of the, the tech support you're paying? No, we're, pay, we're, we're paying for talent and uh, certification for us. Because, because we cut our teeth in the education industry, um, we truly believe that certifications in IT is the way to go. So mm. we, um, we hire at a higher level um, and uh, we pay um, kind of just, uh, we pay in, just under dedicated technical support that you would hire uh, for your organization. If you wanted to hire the IT guy, um, you would be uh, paying the IT guy if they had the number of certs that we require. Yep. You'd pay that IT guy at, at you know at, a, at a, a bit just above where our uh, our folks are, and our folks are ahead of the ahead contact. of them. Interesting. I'm sure you come across Lynda.com as like a yes. technical. I was at a, at the TED conference a couple of years ago and I was sitting beside this woman. And I was raving about lynda.com and the amazing platform for technical learning. And I said, and what do you do? And she goes, I'm Linda. I'm like, no way. <laughs> I was actually sitting beside Linda from lynda.com. I'm like, that yeah. is so random. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was kind of blew my mind. Um, all right. So in scaling the company from, from where you've been, to, are all of your people in Canada? Are they remote? Are they global? All of our, our mentors are in North America. That's a prerequisite. And, uh, you know, we, we have since 2007, uh, we have, uh, I closed the last of our uh, bricks and mortar uh, operations in 2007. Um, and uh, we've been work from home uh, remote since then. For 13 years, you've been work from home. Yeah. And, and so with that kind of concept, uh, we, we always jokingly say working from home does not mean we're, you can work from anywhere. It means we can facilitate um, the work from home model. Um, and, uh, and, and we've been very successful in that regard, but all agents are North American based. We have a large need for uh, bilingual French and, uh, and English. So we do a lot of recruiting in uh, New Brunswick um, and, uh, and in Quebec and uh, just outside the uh, Ottawa region for our bilingual requirement. Um, and uh, the rest is uh, coast to coast and in the United States. We've got uh, some very, most of our MSP partners are American. Um, and to service the American marketplace, we sometimes require uh, only American agents and mentors can touch uh, certain companies and, and uh, certain requirements in, uh, in the US. So we do have a small band of US folks as well. And why is that? Is it is it because the client likes the accent, or is it because you know they can chat quickly about, oh yeah, I'm from Chicago too, or I'm from Kansas? Like they can they can kind of connect a little bit more, or yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that, um, but more so it's the security side of things. Um, anyone that is dealing uh, that has any government um, agencies, state, municipal, or, uh, federal, um, they have a requirement for certain aspects to only be touched by us, uh, 
employees. So it's more security, but the accent and the um, uh, other things do come into play. Although uh, everybody's getting very sophisticated now, Cameron, we can't really say um, your accent is uh, is kind of putting us <laughs> I know. off. <laughs> yeah. But, well, yeah. it's funny. I, I was speaking with an agent the other day from a, a company and um, she had an East Indian accent. And I've been to India four times. And I love India. And I was like, I, I know this is a weird question, but like, are you from India? And she goes, I'm, we're not allowed to say. I'm like, no, I don't really care. I just like, I love India. And where are you from? She goes, no, I just can't say. But I could tell that she was because she was kind of laughing on the other end of the line. Yes. Um yeah, I've gotten, I've kind of gotten over it. As long as the support is good, I don't care where you are. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Um, we, believe, we believe that you have about 30 seconds to um, gain the trust from the end user who's having trouble. Right. Uh, they're calling, they're frustrated. There's no, nobody, call, nobody calls the, uh, the help desk when they don't need help. <laughs> so you know that there's a, and we, we really play, uh, place a lot of emphasis on that first 30 seconds, making sure that that's good. And so really, so, yeah. 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 That was something that 1-800-GOT-JUNK that we obsessed over and we kept trying to go and learn from WestJet because they were really wowing us on the phone and we kept trying to learn from their call center groups. The, um, so how do you wow people in that first 30 minutes or how do you get the, can I give us, can you give us some of the secrets or some of the, the systems that you use to do that? Or is it just more of a mindset that you try to set with the, the mentors? It's a mindset. Um, and one of the things that uh, we don't play around with the IVR, um, which means that we don't give you a greeting that's you know phenomenally, phenomenally well recorded, and then you wait, and then you wait, and then you, we connect. You're connected with a technician um, right away. And that's important that you know that this technician can help you. Um, and you're not going to be passed around and you're not going to be put on hold, um, uh, that you're, you're speaking with an expert at right. that time. Um, and we just try to avoid the cliches. We try yeah. to, to, you know, to, to, uh, avoid saying, uh, you know, uh, this call will be maybe recorded for quality control. We say this call is recorded for quality control because we use it for training as well. And, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. We're just trying to stay away from the, the this... quote unquote. Yeah. 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 That's the stuff that drives us all crazy too. It's like, we, we, we were dealing with one the other day where my girlfriend was in Columbia, had her phone stolen, had to get it replaced. And the agent knew that. And I had to patch in my girlfriend and she starts off with the script again. Like, how's your day going? It's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like we're three days in, you know, my phone is stolen. My day's shitty. How's your day going? Like, ah, can we please get past the script? So question for you on the, on the call center side again, or on the, with the mentoring when they start identifying patterns, you know, it's the same customer, this or the same question, the same question, the same problem, the same problem. Do you report that back in to the company to say, hey, by the way, if you fix this, we'd get 20% yeah. less calls? Like, do you do you help them with that at all? Yeah, we do. We uh, Which has got to be hard because you almost put yourself out of a job if you do that well. Well, and here's the thing about that. If you there, um, you asked me earlier about how, you know, how, how do we uh, set our sights on getting a company to outsource to us? One of the things, the key things is when you're hiring the IT guys, 
you're hiring a really large plethora of, of brain cells that have technology inside of them. Um, and you're paying them to create revenue opportunities for you at a higher level when reality is the people that need the help are at the lower level. So now you've got this IT guy that can, you know, can work up a new uh, 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 topography on a network better than anybody. And you got them answering, I can't, you know, my printer won't print. Right, right. Um, so, so this is where we can end with the, my, my uh, coffee cup holders broken, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so we try to take away the non-revenue bits and identify those, and then they can add value to their customer by going in and saying, you know what, that printer's been down like four times this month. It's time to replace it. Um, because your productivity is being uh, affected. So and that probably does build the loyalty with the company as well when you're doing, you're becoming more of a partner with them than you are a, um, a call yes. center. Yes. So you've got only 150 employees. Yeah, we do. And do you, what's your turnover or attrition like with your employees? Is it high? Is it reasonable? Do you benchmark that into the industry? Well, you know, our, uh, our attrition has been extraordinarily good. Um, and, uh, you know, we have... I just actually looked at a report today that um, the number of employees that we had before 2016 versus the, we've had a phenomenal growth in the last four years. So we have doubled our, uh, our uh, number of mentors um, in the last four years. And, uh, and so we've got the, the new or the old uh, and we very rarely, we call our uh, agents from time to time um, that uh, and we insist on the on them continuing to learn, and uh, uh, you know lifelong learning. Uh, we like I said earlier, we cut our teeth in the e-learning industry, but we truly do believe in it. Uh, we we drank the Kool Aid a long time ago, and uh, and we try to keep our employees current with their technologies and their need to learn and keep that. If you don't keep your technology current, you, you become stale very quickly. Mm. Now, do you, do you outsource um, your recruiting or do you do that in-house or do you, do you do a bit of both? We do it in-house. Um, in fact, we just uh, separated uh, recruitment into a separate category. Um, you know, today we, we call that talent acquisition. And uh, so we have just, uh, uh, just this past two weeks, um, we've been training a gal that uh, will do only recruitment. Mm. Uh, that's her expertise. And that's what, uh, what she'll be doing for us. So yeah, and it is, it's a, such a different um, skill set than in other areas of HR that, you know, it, it's kind of like saying that, you know, just because I'm a quarterback for a football team doesn't mean I'd be good as a kicker. Like it's still right. Like you wouldn't be at all. Like it's yes, you both play for the team, but you're completely different roles um, or, you know, kept throwing the ball and catching the ball. So I'm curious whether the trust, I don't know if this is the right word, the, um, or the acceptance with your customers is growing higher. The fact that, that you're, now let me rephrase this. Was there ever an issue that you were, were at home-based tech support prior to COVID? I'm guessing post COVID they're like, doesn't matter. But was there ever anything before that where they're like, weird, you're not in an office. Did that ever go against you? A couple of times, a couple of times we had to address the, um, uh, the elephant in the room. Um, 
with, uh, you know, this gives us uh, you know, some, of, some of the things that come out of marketing um, and spinning um, are things like, you know, think about the geographical uh, disbursement of our, of our workforce. So if, if there's a hurricane in New Brunswick, then, you know, our, our folks in Alberta can pick up the slack. And, and so we're geographically uh, situated that uh, uh, we can cover off uh, any of those regional challenges that, uh, that come up. So, so, you, you, so you did find ways to spin it back then. We did. Absolutely. Yeah. And we said, you know, um, we're our, our security, we, you know, we go over the top on security and, and so on. And, and uh, uh, we record, we record everything that happens on the desktop of that mentor when they're working for GMS. Sure. Their keyboards, their uh, their voice, uh, their um, uh, we uh, watch their activity. Um, Big Brother's watching. We watch their their googling. We all of those things are are watched, and uh, uh, so uh, there's very little um, there's very little that goes on that we don't uh, right. uh, we don't know about. Well, I, I would guess that now that issue has been completely erased. I mean, I was, I was speaking with the second in command for Wikipedia the other day, and they've got 450 employees. And she said she told all 450 employees to not come back to the physical office space until July 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was just like, I'm, I'm like, this is, this has been got to be game changing for you on the sales and marketing side. Huge. And, and one of the things that we noticed though, is because we were the, we, we were already at home, um, we did not have to orientate our, our staff to being at home and to working from home, but we had an influx of people that, um, that were dispersed to their home office from a big office. So we're supporting one network, one server, one, and now we're supporting 300 small little and, you know, independent little areas while they got it all together. And we were extremely busy April and May, extremely busy. That's interesting. Yeah. And our staff, um, we've had to uh, become uh, very creative in trying to give them what they used to have. They used to enjoy their eight hour shift and then they could go to the gym. Then they could go out for dinner. They could, you know, uh, they had way more social. Oh, wow. Now they can't. Now they can't. Now they're at home. And, and not only that, but they were working from home by themselves. The kids were in school. Well, guess what? Oh. They're there now. So, oh, interesting. You know, there there were um, things that came up that uh, that made uh, made our uh, job at the top a little more difficult. Try to yeah. Be- so you did you did have to adapt then as well. Like every, that's interesting. Yeah, you were already work from home, but with different with different parameters. Now you're right. They, that yeah. that would throw everybody into a bit of a tailspin, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. They used yeah. to work, they used to work from their daughter's bedroom and now their daughter's home. It's like, Oh shoot. Now what am I doing? <laughs> now what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's really interesting. So talk to me about the, um, the onboarding of employees. I know the recruiting of, and interviewing of them remote is easy, but the onboarding of remote employees, what have you learned over the years in doing that? Um, we've learned that, um, uh, although people say that they're, um, well set up, they're not. Um, and so um, we find we find interesting when we're uh, interviewing, we find that the bigger the gamer, 
the more technology that they have, the more security they have themselves um, and those kinds of things. So uh, so that's uh, pretty good. We've used Zoom since Zoom was uh, beta. Um, we've had it. We love it. We, uh, our CEO is, is quite innovative and, uh, you know, Martini shaken. And he wants new toys all the time. So he's constantly, uh, but we always go back to Zoom because it's very reliable, meets our needs and so on. And so we just, um, we Zoom with everybody uh, and, uh, and we Zoom with our new employees. And uh, when they're in training, um, you know, the things that are digitized are, uh, uh, you know, meet the team and, and so on. And, but, but, but we do try to interject with um, more uh, meetings, uh, like uh, both Wayne and myself, uh, Wayne Goldstein is our CEO, both Wayne and myself will attend the, uh, the MSP team meeting, and we'll meet with the mentors and listen to their, uh, their challenges. So you really have, you've got to have really big ears. Mm. Because the you're not, you're not overhearing anything. You have to be conscious True. about hearing. That's um, interesting. Yeah, you've really got to be proactive about trying to hear because you, yeah, you're right. You don't overhear at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what we try to do. That's really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought of that yet. As as anything, um, making a note on that. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I started using Zoom right around the same time because I was I was always frustrated with Skype, and then when Microsoft bought Skype, I'm like, and exit stage I'm right. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gone. But Microsoft has kind of come back full circle now. They're doing a really good job. They seem to have got Microsoft Teams seems to be working right now. So um, I'm not using it, but I'm, I, I think they got a chance again. So how about your, your development as a leader over the years? Where do you think you've grown the most as a second in command? I would have to say in the last five years, um, I've grown the most. Um, Prior to that, um, there's there's so much to learn, um, and and sometimes learning doesn't necessarily mean growing. Um, you know, uh, I I look back today and I think what I can provide um, my team is wisdom and expertise. As long as I don't overdo it with the back and back in the day, or we used to do it this way. You have to be very careful about that. Because that gets stale very fast. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, with the people coming up, I always like to 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 think that I've I've uh, allowed for a secession um, uh, strategy. In that, you know, people coming up in the ranks, uh, there's a couple that could uh, be very good second in commands one day, and uh, and so I see my job is to make their uh, expand their their vision um, look all around operations people tend to be so very focused on one area so I like to to encourage the ops folks to walk a mile in the sales shoes and and see it from their perspective and most of all see it from the customer's perspective it's interesting Starbucks does an interesting job with that at the leadership team level they've got about 45 people at their C-suite and executive VP level and they make people change business areas every three years that, that if you're running like EVP of 
something three years later, you're running an EVP of a completely different area because they're always trying to cross train everyone to, um, yeah, I guess, I guess cross train them as one, but also just to be more empathetic of the whole business as well. Well, if you don't see, you know, the, one of the, one of the, the few reality series that I actually enjoyed and, and, and learned a lot from was uh, was the um, uh, the show where the boss went undercover, undercover boss. Undercover boss, yeah. I found that extremely fascinating because you you my CEO does that a lot. Like when COVID first hit, we and we and we were getting very busy and and not able to. Uh, uh, to not able to know, uh, you know, is the retention of these customers, are they solid? What's going to happen? First of all, we lost all hospitality um, and so right. on. Right. So business from a revenue perspective is going down, but business from a incoming call and incoming chat perspective is increasing dramatically. So how do you make those two things fit? And uh, being a private um, kind of a, a, a boutique, um, our CEO uh, said, you know, I think it's time for us to look at, um, and we had just started on, a, on a, uh, our 20th year uh, in business. And we had just started focusing on um, a book by uh, Gino Wickman, The um, Attraction. Uh, Attraction. And yep. And looking at the entrepreneurial operating uh, system. And um, so right people, right job, right. No, right people, right seat, right time. Yeah. So we clung to that and we looked at, you know, in all of our areas and, and we to make sure like we looked at our uh, quality assurance team and we said, Let's use this time to look at um, what we talked about a little earlier, look at those quality incidents that are coming in. How can we proactively minimize the quality incidents? And so we looked at a couple of our, our knowledge base was one area. Uh, so we looked at ways to improve that and go back to the to our partners and say, you know, you need to beef up your documentation in this area and this area. And that would, you know, that would uh, alleviate uh, quality frustration at the end user level. Um, then we looked at our escalation procedure and we said, uh, you know, we have an approval process. We've got a group of people that just sit there all day long and, and approve escalations. What about we stop doing escalations and, and yeah, repurpose those folks and so on. So, uh, so we, we had a tier of, of uh, managerial folk um, that uh, were able to go back to the front line um, and uh, in different capacities, but help that uh, that whole call thing. So we we did a pivot um, and looked at at each of the jobs at all levels and uh, said, do we have the right uh, do we have the right folks or not? Um, and uh, and and surprisingly, we did. And some that we repurposed at that point um, really flourished. And uh, I don't see us ever going back to the old QA at, at all. I, I really don't. I really like uh, what we uh, what we were able to uh, to accomplish 
Um, yeah, there's something always felt off with me on QA as well, which is if we were doing it properly, we wouldn't need QA. So why don't we do it properly and then eliminate the waste, right? The um, Do you see AI starting to change your industry in terms of the support being able to provide by, you know, having computers provide the first 80% of the support? Most of it sucks right now, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm I'm remind I'm just chuckling because uh, one of the thing, things I said last year uh, at uh, at about this time, uh, planning for our new fiscal year, um, I said the A in AI is artificial, so you know we 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 ought to start looking at our areas um, and uh, uh, co- collecting. How do we mine? How do we mine our knowledge base? Right. That. The, the robotic goes away and, and the, the information that we're giving to the uh, AI product actually has some foundation in reality. It's, it's real data. Yeah. That's the challenge right now is getting that data yeah, into, into yeah. an acceptable I, format. I think we're still a few years away from it, but I think the adoption is going to be very fast. Whereas there's, you know, it's like, I I rode in the very first Google experimental car 10 years ago at the main TED conference. And when the the guy from Google was doing the TED talk, and then he said, if you want to go drive in it, it's outside. And 1800 of us, like Bill Gates, everybody stood up and went running out the door. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I rode in it. I was sitting beside Matt Groening, the founder of the Simpsons was sitting beside me and we're we're like 12 year olds. We're like, this is amazing. We're like, you know, this won't even be around in the next 20 years. Yeah. Three years ago, my Tesla drove me from Seattle to Vancouver and drove 90% of the miles on its own. (laughs) You know, the adoption is coming and it's faster, but yeah, so it's not there yet then. How about, how about you and Wayne, the CEO, how do you stay on the same page together? How do you, what, what do you do in terms of systems or mindsets or date nights? Like, what do you do to stay on the same page with each other? We have our fireside chats. Um, and, uh, uh, one of the things that I have never um, underestimated was there are two in my world, uh, my thought process, there's two COOs. Uh, there's the ones that have their operational agendas, their processes, they're, you know, respectful of uh, IDLE and ITSM and all of those uh, other wonderful uh, um, process and procedural uh, components. And then there's a COO like myself, I, my role is to um, deploy, implement, assist the CEO's vision. He's truly an entrepreneur, has always been a great innovator, um, and and has never, we joke about, about uh, the fact that he has always been right on the mark. Um, always. So uh, we, we sit, I, I give him certainly some guidance, uh, point out some risks, um, you know, and, and, but together I hear the vision and then we discuss how we can deploy and implement it and then um, take it to the masses. And, and it's through that uh, collaborative um, method um, 
that's served us very well as a team, I think, in the last 20 years, for sure. It sounds like a huge amount of trust between each of you to stay in your own lanes, too. Like, you're great. As long as you know what his vision is, and then he knows what your plan is, you're both good at just uh, that handoff is really fluid. It, it is. It, it, it just happens naturally. All right, let's go back to the 22-year-old Cindy. She's, you know, graduating college and she needs some advice from her future self. What would you tell the 22-year-old that now you know to be true, but you wish you'd known back then? Um, I would say don't, don't spend the first 15 years of your career following the rules. Whoa. Um, spend the first 15 years of your career understanding why the rules are there and finding, um, is there a better way um, of, of doing that? Become, become more efficiency and proactively um, uh, empowered. At, 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 at right out of the gate at 22, I think that would have changed um, me uh, for, the, for the better all the way along. That's amazing. I love that. That was actually one of the core values for a company out of Vancouver called Nurse Next Door. One of their core values was find a better way. And they really wanted people to break the system in, in like to, just to ask questions, right? Yeah. That's don't, cool. Don't make it as possible. It's, it's not necessarily, uh, um, it, it can be rewritten. Yeah. That's amazing. Cindy Perks, the COO for Global Mentoring Solutions. Thank you very much for sharing with us on the Second Command podcast. Thank you very much, Cameron. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya for access to our premium content. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.